Welcome to the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe, and special guest, my nephew Mike, who will join us in a minute. But Darrell, first we you... got to talk pledge, Joe. We got to talk pledge. Yeah, yeah, it's a very important week for the station. So, Darrell, why don't you take this? You know, you know, I've been bugging you about this all, you know, in the for the last fifteen minutes. It's been nothing but pledge. It's good I remembered it. Um, (laughs) so you remember anything daryl like to join i don't and so okay so the the thing is so this radio station that we broadcast on not not that you watch the podcast on but we broadcast on a low power fm station and it was really cool thing when they added the low power fm stations so like joe and i when we first met was on wmua which was basically a high-powered station from university of massachusetts this has got like way less watts than than mua had valley free radio but it's community radio and it's wonderful it it, you know it has um democracy now on it it has really good programs locally produced programs we're one of them actually there's two of us because i also do a kids show at eight o'clock on saturday our show runs at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Nice plug, Daryl. Nice, nice slip in there. Good job. Hey, man, man, I got to. And uh, and so the thing is, like, there are people that run this station, and it's really pretty professionally run. And running a radio station is a big deal. But there is no, it's not like NPR, which I guess gets money from the government. I'm not sure. But we just live on pledges. And I think we do two pledges drives a year. And so I think today, Saturday, will be the last day of the pledge drive, if I have it right. Or it could be the first day. But it's part of the pledge drive. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and So to donate, go to valleyfreeradio.org. Or, and then go to the donate button. And give give whatever you can. If it's $2 or $5, right. it pays for these, these staff members that are critical to keeping the station on the air. And it pays right, because for- you've got to make all these FCC – you know, requirements, you, there's a really a lot involved in putting a show on the radio and having a functioning radio station. And, and it's mainly volunteers. It's, I guess it's totally volunteers. It's all volunteers. I mean, Daryl, yeah. so for me, we've been doing this show for, I think, actually this month is our two-year anniversary of oh, wow. Daryl and I in nice. our, our sports show. When we started, we were- right. So how long ago did we, did we find Joe? It's been almost a year. A year, because we we found Joe in in the middle of the summer during COVID. But um, you know, I I have to you say, know, have you Matt, have you noticed that the quality's gone down since we added Joe? It's <laughs> it's really it's really tough, and I, I hate yeah. to tell him that. That's what I, I shouldn't say it on air, should I? No, you know? good, yeah. But you know, for me, who who this whole idea, Daryl, started with you and I in a teacher's room one afternoon, saying, "Hey, Daryl, you want to do a sports show?" And I knew nothing about radio. I knew nothing about the behind the scenes. I knew nothing about, you know, all the technology and all of the um, equipment needed to run a radio station. And it's incredible to see how well and how organized um, Valley Free Radio really is behind the scenes with nothing but volunteers doing right. it. And, right. You know, for twice a year when we run these pledges it's like like joe said any little bit two dollars is is goes a long way and every little bit helps and you know obviously we're grateful and thankful for everybody listening to our show but uh you know if you can go on valleyfreeradio.org and and click that donate button and 
every little bit will go to use. And right, it's it's there's no slush funds. Nobody's buying a Cadillac uh, Escalade from you know it, this it, station it all, or anything like to, that. It all goes to pay the exorbitant salaries for the on-air talent like us. Right? No, it all goes to pay the rent and the electricity and, and you know. The, the and it's really a well-run station. And the thing and the thing that it does that's so impressive is just look like what we do. We have three people and a guest makes four tonight. So who have differing views, but we discuss it. We discuss it civilly, you know, and sometimes it's, most really, of the time. it's really important. And, it, and the thing is like, honestly, Joe and Matt, don't you look forward to this every week? Yeah. Especially it, it's what it's, got me it, through the last year, honestly, like this is the only yeah. thing I had to look forward to for a really long time. Yeah. And the same with me, I've had a miserable year in school, miserable. And well, this is fun. This is fun. Well, it's funny because we're starting to come out of COVID, so we'll see where where the show goes. But now, um, so and so, so we want to. So, if you're a listener and if you appreciate what we do, no matter when you listen to this show, because it will be a podcast too, go to valleyfreeradio.org, valleyfreeradio.org, and hit the donate button. And you'll be you'll be spending money wisely. You'll be spending money. And what you're doing is you're giving, like look at the three of us. We're intelligent, opinionated people. And we bring <laughs> yeah. you speak for bring, yourself, man. We bring you interesting outlooks on things. Um, I loved it when my son finally listened a couple weeks ago and he said, it took you half an hour before you start, started talking about sports. <laughs> Well, there's a lot more going on. And part part of what we talk about, because you guys are both educators, is school system stuff. And this is a way to bring our guest in here, my nephew, Michael, who is kind of experiencing everything, all this stuff on the other end. And one of the things you were talking about earlier today was the the number of times that they've adjusted your schedule. So talk about what that's sort of like. What sport are we talking about? Uh, well, I play baseball, but I think you were talking about a uh, like normal school schedule, right? Yeah, it's I was like, talking more more in terms of of his class schedule and just the number, like they went right. from in person to virtual to who knows what. And so, what year are you at school? I'm a sophomore in high school. So, so do you feel gypped in this last year? Ooh, bad word. We don't use that word anymore. Gypped? Right. No, yeah, it's a it's a it's an ethnic ethnic slur. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, from the, I'm from the backwoods. Um, I'm not as hip as the Portlanders. Um, <laughs> if okay, so do you feel, every do you feel um, robbed? Uh, robbed, thank you. Cheated, sure. You know, not really. I mean, I've been well, doing What my, do you mean? You, you missed all your friends. <laughs> I've been able to do more stuff outside of school, you know? They're, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about hanging around with your friends? I still get that. Cool. You know what, Daryl? I think, and 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 Mike, we'll we'll let you talk in a little bit. I think a lot of a lot of the issues, and I say this as a teacher and as a parent, are kind of adult problems. I feel like kids, and, and I'm not Mike. I'm not lumping you in as like the, a little kid. You're a sophomore in high school, but I, you know they don't miss what they don't know. We we know what other things could be like, and. And I think those are like adult problems. Like that's, that's our way of saying like, oh, I, I wish you had more opportunities, but yeah, I, I like, I get it. If I was in high school and had an opportunity to sleep in a little bit longer, <laughs> do remote classes, turn my camera off, maybe, um, 
you know, hang out with my friends after remote classes, I would, I'd sign up for that. Well, Mike, you, Mike, Mike's been an adult since he was about six anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the most grown-up kids I've ever been. Oh, okay, yeah. but I'll, I'll test him. I'll find out. So when you're on a remote m meet, do you keep your camera on or off? Uh, off, unless the teacher makes me turn it on. Uh, <laughs> that just means he's smart. Yeah. No, that's terrible. Well, from your uh, end. Well, what, you, what grade do you teach? Uh, second grade. Oh. And so they all keep their cameras on. They don't, like, hassle me about it. And But the thing is, the t high school teachers – how do you teach? You got four kids in the room, and then you got nineteen kids on remote with their cameras off. Like, how do you feel connected to anything? Yeah. Um, well, now they sort of switched, so it's like almost everybody's in person. But uh, more in the middle of the year, it was it was really difficult just for uh, like me as a student and teachers. Well, and you've been on half days all year. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think we're switching back to full days Monday though. Yeah, Daryl. That's like three weeks of school. Daryl, you got to come down to New Jersey, man. You only have to teach four hours. Because they're he, they're trying to keep a he's trying to keep a class of second graders attached to a Zoom call for some six. So I've got I've got fourteen kids in person and nine remote. I have to sit in my chair all day long. And honestly, I'm beginning to get some eye problems, some eye issues. Wow. Yeah. Mike, let me ask you a question. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. And, and I don't, if you want to plead the fifth on this one, I get it. All right. Do you, and this is a tough question to even ask because I don't know if, do you, did you gain anything this year? And I don't mean that to attack you or your teachers. I don't mean that in a way to, to be negative, but that's sort of been my thing. And, and I'm, I'm a teacher. I teach phys ed. Was anything gained in whether it's in person, hybrid, half a day, full day? Did you feel like you really gained anything this year? No, definitely not. I wow. mean, thank you. Thank you. It's impossible <laughs> to learn. And there's no reason to. Is my mom going to watch this? Or, right. She might. Who knows? I cheated on Speak, speak freely. Yeah, I cheated on every single testing quiz we've had this year. There's no reason for me to sit down and take notes or learn. Anything. I just I just got my nephew murdered by his mother. Oh my yeah, god. Does does she listen to the show? I you can no well, good yeah. news though, the voice kind of broke up, Joe. So you might have been Mike, Mike, you might be all right. The voice kind of broke up there. So your mom may not be able to hear what you really said. Go ahead, say it again more clearly. Yeah, Go ahead. Well, I've I've cheated on every single testing quiz, so there's no <laughs> take notes. Yeah. No, but I mean, I look, I, Mike, I appreciate the honesty and, and the truthfulness there, but I mean, like, I, that's, it, it, it's good to hear that because let's call a spade a spade. And, and like Daryl, and I kind of said this to you, like as a teacher, you can't hold stock in anything that happened this year. Like I usually, I, I was joking with some teachers in the, um, in my faculty room the other day about this, cause they were really stressed out about MCAS. We had MCAS this past week and and I actually had a teacher in the teacher room. She was upset. She was crying because she's like, the kids, they don't know. And I'm like, you know, for what it's worth, I usually take my summers, I, I take a few weeks to like recap and reflect and think about, okay, next year, how could I teach a little better? What lesson worked? What lesson didn't? What new strategy do I want to use? And I'm like, there's nothing of this year that I want to take into next year there's nothing this year let's call a spade a spade and say look we kept kids alive you know and i don't i don't mean to downplay anything i don't want to make a joke out of anything but like 
No, we there to think that kids gained something and to put pressure on teachers and students to hold them at a high standard after this year is, is not realistic in my it's opinion. It's funny because I've been hearing you guys say that for a year and it's funny to hear it out of the mouths of a student who's a, mm-hmm. Mike's a pretty good student. He's not a lazy kid. He's, you know, he works hard. And it, the fact that you were able to take shortcuts this year, it sort of validates what you guys have been saying all year that, that things academically are kind of lost. How about athletically? Uh, you know, honestly, there hasn't been much of a change. Um, now, wait, but make sure you tell us what sport you're talking about. Uh, so I play baseball. That's the okay. only I play. And uh, usually our season is like, I don't know, March to June. And this right. year has been April to late May. So, I mean, they've really compressed everything. We have the same amount of games, but it's in a shorter time uh, period. So How many games? Uh, like 25. We've had like – Wow. And how many days? Like like one a day you were playing? Uh, like one every couple days. Wow. So three, three or four a week. It was pretty hectic, but uh, – Did it get in the way of your, your learning? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is what? Learning. It is what, yeah. <laughs> of his learning. He's a student. Yeah. By the way, the, the barking you heard a couple minutes ago, that was special, special guest. Probably Oscar, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah, that was Oscar. My sister has got two giant dogs. I'm not in my usual controlled studio space uh, this week. I am in New Jersey, actually, just a few hours from the from the gents uh, out here. Um, maybe make another little plug here. Uh, my dad is dealing with Parkinson's right now, and he's been in the hospital for quite a bit. And so I came out to see him just to hang out here for a couple of days. So if you've got a couple dollars to give up um, after you've donated to WXOJ, Valley Free Radio, certainly throw it towards some of the many uh, Parkinson's research charities. Mm. I would appreciate that one personally. But yeah, so Mike, tell us kind of the compression of the season. Has it changed how you look at each game or how the coaches are approaching things? Or does it seem like a normal season to you? You know, it definitely doesn't seem normal. Um, Because say you lose a game, you just say, oh, we have one like the next day, you know. It's uh, a lot easier to bounce back, certainly. But uh, I Do you mean, have to wear a mask the whole game. Uh no. At the beginning of the season, they were just making us put it up when we were in the dugout. But uh, you can take huh. it off on the field, you know. So once you go out, go out, go up to bat, or go out on the field. Oh you yeah, yeah. It doesn't really affect the playing aspect at all. So the game was the same. Yeah, the game was the same. Yeah. Huh. I guess so that's... now, Mike, let me ask you the same kind of question because, and this thought just popped into my head. As we've kind of joked a little bit about academics not being anything, not gaining anything academically. Traditionally in a, in any sport season, you have practices, you're, you're, you are developing skills and and that I, you know, Mike, I've never seen you play. I'm not insinuating that you'd be a professional athlete in any way. Maybe you will, hopefully you will. That'd be cool. But you know, from a skill development, are you being gypped because now you're playing oh, 25 what, games? What, what? Did you use that word Rob, again? Rob. Oh, my God. I'm not the only Nathaniel. Nathaniel. <laughs> I can't believe I'm the I can't even say Nathaniel. <laughs> are you – There you are, go. Are, is your skill development – like, that? that's what practice is for, especially in something like baseball where you do get to see more opportunities to see pitches, more opportunities to – you know, practice different things. 
how has that been affected with having to play games are funner, but from a skill development standpoint, have you lost out on that a little bit? Uh, I wouldn't really say I've missed out on much. One thing is we had like no preseason at all. Mm. So uh, like last year before the season, which we didn't even have, uh, we were taking batting practice like every week, you know, like November through February. This year we had none of that. So it was just season starts and start playing, you know. Um, but no, I wouldn't really say my development was hindered that much. More your academic was, but your athletic yeah, was not. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause like, so now my question to you, Daryl and Joe, with all of your years of wisdom. Oh, uh, ouch. I know it, like we live in a world of AAU where, you know, those players who are trajecting you know, division one scholarships and professional type careers are playing AAU in all different sports. But I wonder if, because all sports have been condensed. Am, right. am I right, Mike? I mean, not just um, baseball. I mean, you had, uh, well, he played the regular season, but he just didn't yeah, have any practices. Seasons all seat because, well, at least in Massachusetts, they broke the high school season into four seasons. I think they turned it into five eventually. Yeah, it's it's pretty similar here. So all all of the seasons were condensed um, with minimal practice time. I think it was really just condensed to get games in. And so I wonder, you know, and it was it was only a year, but I wonder if that will impact the level of play as as kids get older. Um, you know, not having amount of practice time and skill development. I don't know. I just thought of that just now. Well, let me ask a related question to you, Mike. So, so do you think you lost more academically or more sports wise this year? Oh, definitely academically. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's taken a toll on me uh, right. moving forward to next year. I mean, I didn't really learn much math at all this year, just math in particular. Right. And, uh, I'm not taking honors math next year just because I don't think I could do it. Like I, I haven't been paying attention at all. So. I mean, and that's where I think a, a high school sophomore or, a, you know, an eighth grader is more cheated than a second grader. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I agree. The things yeah. that you lose at, at that level, they, you know, they, they mean more and you're closer to college too. Like you're closer to making these important academic decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I feel that the social stuff, you know, like high school friendships and college friendships, are some of the most important friendships you make. They tend to last long, lifelong. But you still see some of your friends. Like, and you've even had the, your one friend in the house as part of like your COVID bubble. Yeah. Mike, Mike's actually fully vaccinated as a 16-year-old. Nice. Yeah. One, probably one of the first 16-year-olds. You, you yeah, my mom people. got it like the day yeah. they were allowed to. So. Nice. Yeah, and Maya's well, one. She's one shot in, so and she's two years younger. So just the availability has really kind of exploded since the three of us were first trying to get our our shots. Even you guys as teachers had a little trouble. Yeah. I would not have got one unless uh, my daughter was doggedly on the computer. I couldn't do it. I gave up. And yeah. your students are still months away from being eligible, right? Like younger mm-hmm. students, because it's only down to I think twelve. 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and I, we we've kind of we talked a little bit about this too. I, as a dad, you know, and I've got a six and a five year old. 
I don't know. I'm hoping adults so that we take responsibility and, and we, we do the things we need to do. So the idea of, I don't know, I'm still, I don't, I don't even know how to put it into words, but just as a dad, um, you know, the, the idea of putting uh, the vaccine, you know, it, it, and in time, as it gets more tests come through and more results come through with the younger kids, I don't even know when, when that will happen. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't foresee it's in, it's effect on children being much different from its effect on adults. They may just have to do some testing to calibrate what the appropriate dosages are yeah. for smaller and younger people. But I can't imagine it's going to have a wildly different effect on children, on younger children, yeah. six-year-olds and five-year-olds than it does on, 50 year olds or 70 year olds or 16 year olds i yeah. would hope i mean who knows yeah. we may grow a second head <laughs> next month yeah yeah you know but I'm, i i guess can for imagine me, can you imagine six about, heads on this show all talking at once you know as long as i get another brain <laughs> oh, that'd be helpful yeah so the other the other uh the other reason i brought mike on because he's, he's always been a, a from birth, I think raised to be a Yankee fan. So I figured just connecting uh, Mike with with Matt. Oh man! Well, we so the Yanks have finally got their act together, right? They're playing good finally. By yeah. the way, by the way, before we get into this, we Daryl, we let something slip last week that I can't believe got by us. We let Matt humble brag about the pool he's building in his backyard. Just we let that slide by. Without a mention, Matt, just making sure that we all know that he is wealthy enough, wealthy enough on his teacher's salary to build a pool in his backyard. So just wanted to mention that from last week. You, you, you're making it sound a lot better. I'm not building a pool. Uh, it, this, it's nothing more than a, a little 15-foot above-ground pool. I had to dig a, a small few-inch hole in the backyard, but... I am happy to say my back is sore, but uh, we got the pool up this afternoon. After. Listen, Joe and I aren't being fooled for a second. You're obviously a wealthy individual. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Daryl, you missed it. He worked it in, and like when when we first connected, while we were waiting for you for 20 minutes, uh, he slipped <laughs> it in again. Which I'm actually glad he did because it reminded me of what happened this week. So. Well, you're lucky I'm here because I totally forgot. The only reason I remembered, I was at a teacher's party and I, I was telling them about the show. We actually have a guest. We, we actually have a guest who won't come on who has the best Bobby Knight stories I've ever heard in my life. But his son, Nolan, is going to come on. And um, they have some really good Bobby Knight stories. Um, it, it was, he's, he's, what a, what a, piece of work Bobby Knight was you know well do you think I mean and you heard the stories Daryl I didn't but like Bobby Knight that was a different time that right, was, the it was but I mean what he did was it was a different time and it's interesting to talk about it so like the stories I heard tonight were about him grabbing a player by the throat you know, and so actually, uh, Megan's husband was at the game. He threw the chair across the floor. 
Well, and the thing is, Bobby Knight won, which was why he was allowed to get away with what he was allowed to get away right. with. Right. And even right. when he got fired from Indiana, he got two more jobs after that. I asked, <laughs> one was Texas Tech. I don't know what the yeah. other one was. He, he one was Texas Col- Tech, and they had some success under him. They don't did. make me look this up right now because uh, I'm, I'm – Matt only, will. Don't worry. I'm, but I'm looking it up now. I'm but only on one know, monitor this week. Very, very, very um, limited. But he well, – We've got three more computers right over there. So. <laughs> but but not Bobby Knight was – well, You know what? He started at Army, went to Indiana, and then Texas Tech, and then retired. So okay. it was only Texas Tech afterward. Started at Army. So he was there quite a while, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, anyway, winning, winning like Daryl mentioned, like a guy that should have been fired six times before he threw the chair, certainly after he threw the chair, and twice after that. And which is is one of the curses of sports is if you're successful, even if you're an awful person, like Mike, I'll bet you've had some coaches that aren't the nicest people. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You want to nail? Yeah, but if they're successful, if their teams win, you know. You have to like accept that crap. Well, and it's one thing to see it at the pro level or at the you know Indiana basketball level. It's another thing when it happens to a high school athlete or a little league player. And that's where I think too many young, too many coaches of young people have learned from bleep holes like like we played for Darrow, like you and I, who right. yelled. I mean, I had a coach in in college, a football coach, who when he was upset would come into the huddle and grab us by the face mask and whip our heads around, which... Which was kind of what Bobby Knight did in grabbing people's necks. Yeah, no he, And the thing was, he denied it. He said it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, a video from the upper level of the arena showed that, yeah, he actually did do it. And no <laughs> one thought twice about this stuff. No, because if you're successful, if you win... But not every... The thing is, the problem is not every successful coach has to do that. I mean, my no. dad, my dad, Mike's grandfather was a college football coach, division three, coached at Princeton for a while. And I never saw him abuse a player like that. And he got the most out of, out of his players. And it doesn't, and, you know, and me being a loyal dookie, the, coach K I feel is a nice man and he doesn't do that junk. So yeah, again, if you're playing the um, sports plus show drinking game, that's one for Daryl throwing in a Duke reference where it does not belong. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? And it let me for I would not ever say, yeah, choking a player is acceptable, or you know, I, that's not where I'm wanting to go with this. Oh God. And that's a you always preface something like that. Here goes. I know. I, don't you get worried, Joe? Like, okay. I I but sexual that. abuse is okay, right? No, so I don't, like, I don't no. mean to be racist, but <laughs> no, 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 no. No, my my question is where is that line? Because if I, you I do you don't believe- put your hands on a player ever. You don't threaten physical intimidation ever. Because the pro- the thing is the, the power dynamic, especially in college, between a scholarship athlete and a coach who controls right. that that kid's Future, his future. academic and and professional future, th- there should be a zero tolerance for any, certainly for any physical abuse. But I think Matt, you're going to get into a more subtle, subtle argument. Well, no, I mean you kind of answered it because for me, I do feel like it it becomes a, at a physical point because oftentimes, and I I I know this as a coach, um, there's a lot of coaching 
that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of coaching that goes on. I, I always felt this way as a coach, and I only coached high school. There's coaching that goes on in the locker room. There's coaching that goes on in a, in a meeting. There's coaching that goes on in a hallway. And as a coach, if you show your players that you truly are invested in them and you, I don't, as a coach, I didn't care about how many kids would go to D1. I wanted kids to, to be successful in what they chose to do. And I wanted kids to work hard and I wanted kids to not give up on their goals. And we would always talk about that. Well, I never would be physical. So I, I agree with you, Joe. If, once things get physical, that's kind of a line to me. Um, well, just like as teachers, you want kids to look back on their experience and say, I learned things, I learned valuable things through this experience. I grew because this person was part of my life and was trying to teach me things. Mike, are you, do you have good coaches? Do you feel like you get that from your coaches? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel my coaches the last couple of years have been pretty great, you know, uh, Middle school is a different story, but well, and that's the thing: the lower the lower level you go, the mm -hmm. less you know you the less most capable, are, yeah. right? The most capable coaches are going to be coaching at the higher levels, and that's that's not, that's the reason my dad didn't let me play pop Warner football because as a football coach, he knew how dangerous it was to be coached by someone who was not teaching proper technique. And yeah. I played, I played well, dad and, volunteer essentially is what it is. It's a dad volunteer and it's not yeah. to knock them, but it's the truth. I mean, you're, you're getting dads who sure I want to help, but you know, it's not always directed in the right way. And it's not always the proper technique. Um, you know what? It's a very difficult thing to get into now because what we see as you know, um, because of the social media and because of videos and you see the outrage of a coach on a sideline and you think this coach is, is an awful human being. All he does is yell at his athletes, but we also don't know what's going on in those player meetings. We also don't know what's going on in the hallways. We don't know what's going on in the practice. And it's easy to look at a coach screaming on the sidelines, red in the face, Again, not choking a player, not cool, right? you know, but we see what's happening in a game and we, we annihilate coaches. I, I see it a lot at the high school level. In, in, um, in, honestly, Matt, in my experience as a player and co a coverer, a photographer and a broadcaster at kind of all levels, what I see is the coach that's yelling, that's going ballistic on the sidelines because the officials do something or his players do something. That coach doesn't have an entirely different personality in the, in the meeting room or in the locker room or in the, in his office that those, the, the coaches that usually when I see someone bringing that kind of, and I use intensity in a, in a pejorative way here, I'm, I'm not holding it up as a good thing, but use that sort of manic intensity uh, during a game. They're using it in other places. Fair. And, but intensity also doesn't mean physical altercation. And so that's why, that's my question is where's the line? Because I, I was reading this article the other day about the New York giants and Sterling Shepard here we go. Drink, drink for Matt. Throw, forcing the Giants in where it doesn't belong. It, it does belong. This does Good belong. Good move. Good move. Okay. Mike, are you a Giant fan as well? 
You know, I don't really watch that much football. Uh, my dad grew up in Philadelphia, though, so he's a huge Oh, no, done. You're done. Yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have him on in a couple of weeks, too. You can you can yell at Joe directly. So here, here was Sterling Shepard. He's a wide receiver for the Giants, and this was his quote on Joe Judge, the new coach, is, man, this dude is tough. He's really tough. We haven't – the last two coaches, referring to Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo, weren't tough. We didn't condition. We didn't work hard. We were able to get away with what, what we wanted to get away with, and our record spoke for that. He, he goes on and saying, I finally feel like I'm back at Oklahoma. I've got a tough coach who works me hard, who makes me work, and is going to get the best out of me. You can be tough without being abusive. And I think it's very, I think it's very easy to find that line, Matt. I think you know, you, you're sort of questioning where is the line. I think you, you, we, we know, we can tell when we're being abused and when we're abusing others. And I, I think it's a pretty clear line. And there are plenty of tough coaches who are good for their players, who make their mm-hmm. players you know, better. And, and so like Joe Judge, Joe Judge is a is a patriot disciple of, of Belichick. And you know, more power to him for that. Um, but Mike, my, my question for you is like, have any coaches ever inspired you to play better? And and if so, what do they do that like so? In other words, it's sort of like a coaching question. Do coaches actually get their players? to give a little bit more, to give that, quote, 110% crap. <laughs> well, in case you're wondering how Daryl feels about this phenomenon. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting. So is it like just the talent of the team? Or do, like, because certain coaches, let's face it, do appear to be successful wherever they go. And that idiot that we were talking about before, Bobby Knight, he was successful at Indiana, even though he was abusive, and he was successful at Texas Tech. And I think he was actually successful at Army, because I think Coach K came from Army, too. Yeah, well, I've seen seen coaching fail a lot, and then – Fail. And so what do you mean by fail? Well, well, where they just don't have the, uh, the control they're looking for or okay. the, the effect. So you're not going to run through a wall for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I've also seen it succeed. So, uh, this year I'm not going to lie. My baseball team is we're pretty terrible, I don't <laughs> know, but, um, we've definitely improved a lot from the beginning of the year. And it's not because we've become like better physically better at playing the game. It's just, we've become a better team. And I think only the coach can uh, really affect that, you know. Well, and and the, like let's we got to break it in half too because there's two parts to coaching. There there's the 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 skill instruction. So teaching you how to be a better pitcher and a better hitter is different from administering a team and keeping a team motivated and conditioned and cohesive all at the same time. So I think those are two entirely different things. And I think the line. The line really, it, when you're trying to draw that line, you can discount the instruction part of it because that just tells you whether a coach is good or bad, whether they're effective at giving skills instruction. I think what we're talking about is the other half of it, the motivational half, the organizational half. And that's where even you know at ages much younger than where Mike is now, even as little leaguers, we know if our coach is in control or not. 
Mm. Well, you know, I have some personal experience and Matt has a little, has seen a little bit of it. I was like, I did a little coaching. I was terrible. I was like, even though I'm a good athlete, I was terrible. I did not know what drills to give them. I did not know anything. I was like terrible. I didn't know what plays to call. I was terrible, terrible coach. <laughs> what, what, what did you coach? <laughs> I, I, I had a bad experience in football and I coached freshman basketball for a year or two. I didn't know what call I it was just, I was pathetic. I could not believe it. How it's, I, I have to say, I think coaching is very difficult, but it, it, Mike, have you ever been inspired by coaches? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this year specifically, my coach has been fantastic, you know, you and give, give his name and shout him out. Coach Rosenberg. Uh, Definitely best I've ever met. He's um, not just inspired me personally, but I think the team as a whole, and that's really what makes. What, what's your record? Well, <laughs> okay, so we don't want to mention that. Okay, that's okay. No, 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 you know, you know, inspiration has nothing to do with how many games you win. Exactly. I mean, it, the things you uh, take from sports, <laughs> the things that we take from at our advanced ages, the things that we remember from playing sports have nothing to do with the fact that my crappy little league team won four games. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I am surrounded by Yankees fans who want to give yeah. me garbage that the number of games you win doesn't matter. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Well, we're, we're talking about high school sports, not not professional athletes. <laughs> nice try, bud. Nice try. <laughs> and and Daryl, your your season's already in the toilet, so we can, we can talk. No, baseball. the Red Sox are in first place. Give me a break. Yeah, but it, we all we all know it's not going to end that way. <laughs> you know what happens when the weather gets warmer. Let Let's keep it on baseball, real quick, guys, and let's talk a little bit about your mean Mercedes. Yeah. Darryl, you guys, you aware what what happened uh, earlier in the week with him? Yeah, three zero. Tell, tell us. Okay, your mean Mercedes uh, plays for the White Sox. Um, I, I forget who they were playing. They were up eleven. Yeah, Minnesota. Minute. Thank you. Yep, they were playing Minnesota. They're up eleven. Um, a positional player is in to pitch. He's. By the way, a positional player with my physique, which again, for those of you who have not seen me in person, is mostly round. <laughs> but is this is this for the team that's ahead or the team that's yeah, behind? So your mate, the White Sox are winning by eleven. Your mean Mercedes is up to bat. He's he he's got a three zero count against him, and he sees a forty seven mile an hour meatball. And coming. I was with two outs in the top of the ninth so it's not like it was like the seventh inning or yeah so like, yeah yes yeah important good detail good detail game's and, over uh, the 47 mile an hour meatballs coming at him and he hits it out of the park and by the way wasn't a 47 mile an hour straight trajectory pitch this thing was 10 feet off the ground at its <laughs> it was a parabola. Oh, so yeah. he should have hit it that was good for him yeah, I agree. And Daryl, you know how I feel about unwritten rules that they right, they right. Manage. So I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for swing on three. So what was bad about it, man? I don't get it. Well, the baseball, the baseball world is up in arms that this was. No. A- Do you hear what Tony Larusa said? The oh, uh, Tony, yeah. the 95 year old manager of the White Sox, who really, really. <laughs> Actually, I think he's over 100, isn't he? He said that uh, the player would be punished within their like family or something. Yeah. And, what? Uh, 
I think the next game, the Twins threw behind him, threw behind yeah. Mercedes, and Larusa said he deserved it. He yeah. did stand up and, for and, him. Right and now. obviously, to their to their credit, threw behind him at knee level. Yeah, didn't go for his head. But he Larusa, this is the first time I've ever seen this in baseball. Actually, defended the other player for throwing at his batter. Let wow. me ask this question though. This is interesting, and and so look, uh, could. LaRusa have been trying, and, and I don't know if he was successful in it, but trying to play a little damage control there. Because if he does come out and say, no, I'm cool with it, what, like, does he get thrown at the knees behind his back or does he get thrown at his head? So I, I think LaRusa is playing with a 70 year old rule book, an unwritten yeah. rule book. Okay. So let's talk to a modern player. So, Mike, talk to us about. Like have you have you been hit by pitches? Yeah, yeah, a few times. I don't think was it, it intentional or accidental? Oh, never intentional. Man. Have you never hit anyone else a pitcher intentionally? Uh, no. Oh, I th- there was a little. Wait a minute! I saw a little smile there, Joe. And, and, and let me and let me say something. I certainly have as a, as a college pitcher. I certainly have. I actually there was one game. I hate to admit this on air, but there was one game that my control was so bad that I just started throwing at batters because I was done. I was not throwing. Well, you know, the thing is, it's funny that you would say 47 miles an hour because I think I told the story on air one week about going to um, to a place that had a gun machine and I was going to impress my young kids, and I threw it 47 miles an hour. And it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. That's my fastball. Well, hey, you, but, could, um, throw, you could throw an EFIS pitch in the majors. You're qualified. But yeah, sorry, Mike. Go. But but so like the thing is, so Mike is like, do you think, you know, like, do, have you ever hit a home run? No, I have not. Okay, let's just say you hit one. Would yeah. you flip your bat, and would you feel like that's disrespectful by flipping your bat? Ah, uh, you know, you're a high school player. You're not professional, man. Do it. Right. Do it. Right. No, I see. I thought you were going to come. Yeah. The, with the complete. No, I agree with Matt. It's no, like I think you're a high school player. You need to behave a little, little gentler than if you're a pro that's making seventeen million dollars a year. No, yeah. but look, as a like, I love baseball, but baseball's wow, dying. Like, Mike, do any of your friends watch baseball? Does anybody care about baseball in your age group? He does. Outside of like, outside of your team, <sighs> not really. No. No. no, it's it's uh it's a lot lower than I don't know. Basketball, basketball is a dying sport. Yeah. yeah, basketball and football and soccer are taking over. Well, yeah. when when Mike's mom and I were young, baseball was it. I mean, we went to all these Yankees right. seventies, and you know, my dad took us to all these games. And it's funny we were talking today about the difference between ticket prices. This will tell you exactly how old I am. We used to buy bleacher seats for four dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. Same same thing at Fenway. It went then it went up to eight eight bucks. Joe, the cheapest I can. Are you talking about at the at the old Yankee Stadium? Yeah, yeah. Outfield bleacher seats were four dollars, and and upper deck upper deck reserved were twelve. So you could sit behind home plate in the top row for twelve dollars, and then move down as the game went on. Right, yeah. and even even the the box seats now that the field boxes that go for six seven hundred now probably. Yeah. Worth thirty eight dollars or thirty two dollars. Wow. So once a year, we would spring for the thirty eight dollar tickets and wow. sit three rows behind first base. Neat. I can remember. I can remember growing up going to the old Yankee Stadium, eighteen bucks a ticket, 
um, for the bleachers. But I mean, from Connecticut, I would always take the train in. So we'd always be adding in the train ticket um, and the subway ticket. But um, it was was about 40 40 bucks per person per game. Um, But $4, wow. So Mike, you'd appreciate this story. When I was your age, I came home from school, turned on the TV. The Red Sox were playing Baltimore. I saw Ted Williams hit his last home run in his last at bat. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. I, mean, I, I remember, I don't know, how, how long was it ago uh, when Derek Jeter retired? It was, what, 2014? I remember watching uh, his last home game when he hit that walk-off single. So that's sort of my moment, uh, <laughs> like yours. Does that make you feel even older, Daryl? Yes, but and so like Mike, do you still like Derek Jeter? Like he's yeah, the I do. he's the manager of Miami or the owner. owner, right? Yeah. Owner, yeah, yeah. And so, like in previous weeks, we've talked about how happy most of I think all of us are about players becoming owners of teams. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. But I think now they, I mean, Miami has not done well, have they? Not so much on no. Jeter. I mean, they've won World Series before he, he took before over. Before he came, right. But yeah. but that was a weird – they dissembled the team immediately. That was well, – I think they horrible. still performed kind of in the years he's been there, right? Yeah, yeah. They've been trying to rebuild for, like, years, you know? <laughs> I think yeah. with Derek Jeter we, – and we've alluded to this a little bit, too, in some of our, you know, the, the player entitlement talks and, and what is the responsibility of ownership. I do think what Derek Jeter is – trying to bring to Miami is a sense of the important thing is winning and not just making money. Um, and so I, I think he's trying to build things in, in a winning way, not just because that was the thing with the Miami Marlins is they would say, Oh yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's win a world series and then trade everybody else because so at the risk of introducing another meta topic with 12 minutes left in the show, I, I I'm, I'm buying into less as I get older that certain players carry winning with them. Like we hear this all the time that, that these players are winners. I think Derek I disagree. When I think of Derek Jeter, I think him at Fenway park diving into the stands to catch a foul ball. I just, but he was a that. great player. And, and like, as much as I hated the Yankees, I love Derek Jeter. He was a great player, but he was also surrounded by great players. They had some like the '98 team was absurd. I mean, they had some some stacked teams for a good portion. Now, no offense, was that the last time the Yankees won the World Series? I just want to clarify. Oh, ouch! Ouch! Wasn't but Daryl just stabbed three people in the neck simultaneously. Pretty pretty close though, wasn't it, guys? Come on, be honest. No, it wasn't. So. So, so, but so let me counter that. I think what you're saying is like this idea that players are just winners and wherever they go, they win. Right. That's kind of what you're. Okay. Right. right? So I, I would say this and, and Mike chime into this, if you can, at, at, at what point, or, or I do think there's something and Daryl, your point of, a player diving into the to the stands to, to make an out. At some point when you're playing team sports, it's not about me worried about making an error because it makes me look bad. 
I don't want to make an error playing shortstop because I know how hard my pitcher is pitching and I don't want to let him down. Yeah. I don't want to, right. I don't want to strike out not because of me, but because I know how hard my teammate worked to get on base and I want to hit him home. Yeah. hundred so, percent. I'm up. I, I don't want to uh, get a hit so I can raise my average. I want to get a hit. Right. So the rally going or, or, uh, drive someone in so are the players on your team are you friends with them yeah yeah do you hang out socially too or uh, outside of baseball not really i mean maybe not really but but as a team you feel close to them yeah 100 yeah. percent. did you guys socialize with your teammates in high school i mean i certainly did i did and i i know my parents are listening to this too we did a lot of drinking in the woods behind marty pass <laughs> well yeah, Joe, I, similar situation. So I, I played football in high school, and uh, freshman, I played freshman ball. As a sophomore and a junior, I was on varsity. As a sophomore, we won one game. Junior, we won two games. My senior year, I tore my ACL. We got hurt. Maybe that's why we won a lot more. Hang on. Mike, Mike is departing because the, the, Mexi- the Mexican food has arrived. So we have uh, also... Uh, Mike, thank, thank you, Mike. Thank really you. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but, so my senior year, we ended up going in, in football. We went eight, two, and one. I attribute that because that senior class, we were really close. We we did party in the, in the woods and drink. Yeah. And so then, you think that was reflected on the field? I do. And so, and I know high school is different than professional, but like I think to Joe's point, the players that are winners, I think what they're able to do is take a locker room full of adults and get them to sort of have that high school age mentality of it's not just about your batting average and your contract. Every time you strike out, you're making it harder for the guy behind you. Every time you don't advance a runner, you're you're what you're doing. If, if I strike out with a man on second, all of that guy's hard work was for nothing. So, so is that, a, is that a switch that gets flipped when you become a pro? Like, I think, see, I, I think it's a little more nuanced. I think there's degrees of both at every level of, of play. And you're right. The best, the best team players are unselfish players, but you also have to be a little bit selfish to be a great player. Right. Agreed. No, and that that's an, that's an, a great point. I mean, to get to that level, to put in the work and to to become a professional at any sport, you do have to be a little bit of selfish. And so and it, egotistical and you know feel that you're really great. Yeah. But but again, again we've got you can look at on that side you can look at Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan who were maniacs and then you can look at LeBron James who although he's quote tough is respected by every teammate he's ever had, ever had, and every player. Right. But what's interesting is you talk about who did you talk about? Um, Kobe and who else? Jordan. 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 So they for them to achieve success, Kobe had to have Shaq with him, right? And yeah. and yeah. and and Michael had to have um, Pippen. Uh, you know, they Michael, need, Michael had Phil Jackson. They both had Phil Jackson. You know, yeah. yeah. They needed something else. They needed a good coach. They need some other great players. Well, as as I stress every time we talk about Tom effing Brady, one player doesn't win you anything right. at any level in any sport. 
except tennis. Well, now let me ask one question. I know we're just running out of time, but is there any sense that LeBron James is finally ending the nearing the end of his career? That's funny because this- these injuries have really gone on for a long time. Yeah, I asked, I think it was a week ago, is he done? And I am so wrong. If you watch either of those games, he he's he's when well, he, so the the Golden State game, he it was a hundred to hundred and he buried a ridiculous three pointer. Yeah. He yeah. put him ahead and I think that led to the, the victory. Yeah, he's won uh, one hundred and they won, yeah. So and, you know yeah, but here's uh, let me ask is he slowing that. down? Is he slowing down? Probably he's well, 36 I mean, years old. I mean, yeah, define slowing down. He's still the well, best. Well, slowing down in basketball tends to be you run so many miles, your body can only take so much. Do you think, though, where this is a hypothetical, who knows the answer to this? I, and I think as much as I, I, I root for LeBron, and it would be cool to see the Lakers win, I think it would be bad for basketball. How much, I'm not saying he faked the extent of his injury, but how much, <laughs> no, but yes, you are. He, he, no, no, because he has come out and said it. The regular season really doesn't matter. Like my seating doesn't matter when I want to play, we're going to play and we're going to win. <laughs> so if the Lakers make it to the Western conference championship, you know, at, at what point do we say, because Daryl, you're right. He was out for a long time with this ankle sprain, right? And for him, just to all of a sudden, he he played he played two the last two regular season games he played he tweaked it a little bit, and if they make if they make it far into the playoffs, it's because LeBron James played at a really high level. Like you're not getting there without right. LeBron James playing at a high level. So I, I think- would it be fair to say he he kind of milked it a little bit? just to be ready for the playoffs. But I think he might be the only player in NBA history who's capable of right. like, playing down to a seven seed and then winning a championship. I don't think right. – think- Right. Wouldn't you hate to be playing the Lakers? Like, right, what is the game tonight? We're, we're recording on Friday night. The game tonight is um, Golden, Golden State, State Memphis, right? at Memphis. Memphis, yeah. And I want Golden State to win so much. No, no, no. I want to see – can you believe how good Curry is? Oh, the Spurs won that game. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, John Moran. I thought Memphis won. They beat San Antonio, right? right so San Antonio's out. Yeah, so, so they're playing San Antonio. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So it's John, John Morant versus uh, LeBron, right? No, um, oh, Steph Curry. Yeah. Steph Curry, right. Right, 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 right. And Steph Curry, can you believe the shots he makes? How does this guy do it? This guy is a genius. This guy is Beethoven. This guy is Mozart. This guy is, you know, um, uh, Da Vinci. This guy is is a tremendous, tremendous talent. And I think I think three thousand years from now, when human history is all written, he's going to be maybe the player that changed the game of basketball the most. I mean, he is the. You reason. think he's going to lead to that dreaded four point shot? I can't wait for the four point. Oh, stop it! And I can't. Stop wait, it. I can't wait for the Celtics to win a game on a four point shot, and for Daryl to have to eat seventeen weeks of words. No, you, you know, Daryl's not going to eat anything. He's going to say he loved it the whole time. Yeah. Oh well, thank. Thankfully, we've got hey, recording. Hypocrisy but... is a very important concept. I've you would like, have to have it. Let me ask you guys a question. I've got like forty gigs worth of recordings of Daryl saying. <laughs> 
that, so don't worry. Let me ask you this question, though, and and to your point. Max never get in my way, Joe, so don't. <laughs> LeBron James being the only player in the world who could play down to a seven seed and win, LeBron James is also probably the only player in the world who the L.A. Clippers would intentionally lose two games against lesser opponents to avoid playing him. Is that bad for the wow. NBA? I wish you hadn't brought this up with two minutes and 20 seconds left in the show because I well, was a great, it's a great because, point because you look at all the teams that tried to play for position and they all sort of missed out on what they were trying to play for. And I think the, there's no bigger inspiration for a professional athlete to know that a team wanted to play you because they thought you were easy to beat. And mm-hmm. so I think we could see, I think for this will be for the first time in NBA history, in one conference, we could see three lower seeds beating the higher-seeded team. I think but the, one of them is not going to be the Celtics beating the Nets. No, they are not beating the Nets. No, we're talking about the West. We're talking about the Lakers beating Phoenix. We're talking about Golden State being, beating Utah. And again, you guys may jump on me for this, but the Blazers are going to beat Denver. They're a better team than Denver. I would agree with all three of those. I would, but go, but Golden State has to win tonight. They're playing Memphis, yeah, and Memphis is pretty good. They'll, they'll win tonight. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You say that, but we'll but see. But is that bad for the NBA? Like, because that's everybody, and and it's my criticism of the NBA when you're. I, I don't like the load management because if those games don't matter, then stop playing them. Right, but well, okay, but but schedule if. Players are yeah, but, but they only, but yeah, so they, they jammed seventy two games in this year, Matt. They jammed them in. But talk about the play in. Do you guys like it or not? Loved I like it. loved I, what it did. I love what it did at the end of the regular season. I yeah, love what it those, are, those are neat games. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love no, the way I, it like I'm gonna watch. I want I want Golden State to win so bad tonight. I really do. Well, because I want to see them play more. I want to see Curry play. I want to see him. Yeah. He's going to beat somebody that he shouldn't beat. And it's interesting. So you think in the West that lower seeds can win. There's no think- way the Celtics are beating the Nets. No way. Unless, well, but, I mean. They've got a great coach who plays not- good against tough teams. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. too we much talent. We didn't talk about how how – that was the most overrated 50-point performance in the history of the NBA with Jason Tatum scoring 50 points. How did that happen? Thanks for listening.